This is the Restoration Nation Podcast, Episode 24. Education. Collaboration. Motivation. You're listening to the Restoration Nation Podcast, the cleaning and restoration industry's premier source for industry news, peer-to-peer interviews, and inspirational content. Join host Joshua Soloway, along with industry leaders, as we take our entrepreneurial journey together. Welcome to the Restoration Nation. Welcome back, listeners. You are hanging out with the Restoration Nation podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. Our goal, as you know, is to deliver education, collaboration, and motivation to leaders in the cleaning and restoration industry. My name is Joshua Soloway, and I am the host. Today, we welcome a guest from the Rainbow International family. His specialty is business development and marketing. He has been in the cleaning and restoration industry for about six years and has had great success in building relationships, specifically with insurance agents, amongst other things. So that will be the topic of discussion today. So with that, hailing from North Jersey, I welcome Mr. Chris Carbone to the show. Chris, how are you today? Oh, everything's great this morning, and I appreciate you having me on, Joshua. Yeah, Chris, I'm really excited, and thank you for your graciousness and time. As always, I know people in our industry are very busy, so uh, we don't take for granted uh, what you're doing for us as an industry to share what you've learned and and help share best practices. So with that, Chris, thank you. Why don't you take a moment and just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and uh, personally, professionally, I'll let you take it from there. Sure, of course. Well, um, yeah, as you had mentioned, I've been in the industry for about six years. I uh, didn't know I was going to get into the mold and water remediation business. I just happened into it, but it's been an exciting journey, and I, I never would have thought I'd be so excited about it, but it's just it's something I'm passionate about, and I'm happy to teach other restoration contractors some of the tricks of the trade that I've picked up as a direct result of doing it for so many years. No, that's awesome. I know we're excited to hear about it. It's That's one of the great things about our industry is just learning from our peers what works, what doesn't work, and if we can kind of shorten that learning curve and maximize our efficiency with our with what we're doing out there. That's what this is all about. So again, thanks for being on the show. And as I mentioned in the intro, we're going to be talking a little bit about marketing to insurance agents. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things we could talk about with your marketing background, but that's just kind of the topic we chose just to kind of keep it narrow. And a lot of people do it. It's very common in our industry. Some people might be uh, well advanced in their process. Some people might be just gearing up, but you know, there's some things that people should be doing to be successful, and that's what we're hoping to take away from this conversation today. But to start with, obviously, you're you're active in the industry. And as far as the marketing goes, you know, what is your favorite aspect of just your job and and getting getting the name of your company out there in the local area that you work in? You know, I love the spontaneity of this role and the flexibility you have to reach out to so many different referral sources in clever ways. In this role, there's absolutely no script. You know, there's no formula that must be followed. For example, I liken it to, uh, you know, a recipe for baking bread in a kitchen, right? Not only do all the ingredients need to be present, they need to be added in the right order or else that bread's never going to rise. But this, on the other hand, is a truly people business, which I love, and it works well for my personality. You simply have to love interacting with different types of people and leave all your fears behind. Because years ago, I can remember, I used to be very intimidated by the notion of cold calling complete strangers. I think it was largely due to the pressure I put on myself back then to make a sale at each one of those visits. But in this industry, 
conversely, there really isn't a closing opportunity on sales calls because the insurance agents that you're encountering in this example aren't having a water or fire loss happen right there while I'm in front of them, right? And if I make a great impression, I will only find out weeks later when the loss comes in that the, uh, that the lead was directly related to the impression that I made on them. Thus, I feel there's absolutely no need to put undue pressure on oneself in this sales role. And so what I do, and what seems to work pretty well for me, Josh, is I start the day and every visit with the same exact goal for each meeting. Let's go in there and make a friend today, and let's have a great series of conversations. That's my mantra. That attitude and that dichotomy shift can work wonders, I've found, to improving the number of referrals you'll experience this time next year if you implement it. So um, people always want to work with people they like, and that rule still remains very constant. And people only have, who only have two minutes to talk, for example, I find that they'll have 10 or 15 minutes or even 30 minutes to converse with me if I add value and I really have an enjoyable conversation two-way. That's good stuff, Chris. Thank you for, for sharing that. And there's a lot of little things I took out of that as I was listening to you. First of all, was just having the right mindset or approach or expectation of, of making that call to specifically an insurance agent. In this example, I think owners, if you're listening you know, and you hire salespeople to go out, you just want close, 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 get business, get business, get business. That might not always be the case specific to agents. That opportunity is not there because it's not like you walk in and they're like, oh, I'm on a claim with a customer right now. Never happens. Your number. It never <laughs> happens. You're right. You're right. So it's really the big picture is it's a long-term relationship. Is that kind of what you're getting at? It has to be. The play should always be for the long term. And uh, you don't want to assume that they're going to, uh, you know, only be, you know, don't, don't only apply to do this for a three-month duration. you got to look at, how is this relationship going to look a year and two years from now? Sure. No, I, I like that. And let's say we're starting somewhat from scratch. You know, how does that initial appointment look? You, you mentioned the fear of cold calling. A lot of people have that. But, you know, I've done that for a while myself, and I feel that I, I feel that you get over that fear, and it's just, you know, you get more confidence. But what are your goals, that initial contact, and then that second contact, third contact? Uh, is there a progression there? Walk us through that. Sure, totally. Yeah, um, I think what you want to do is, if you can, try to infuse some humor in those first few calls. That seems to work for me. That used to be my play. Uh, that being said, you need to be a consummate professional initially when you go out there. You need to really know your industry extremely well because people will challenge that. They want to know what you're made of, for sure. But what I come to realize, and it's an interesting fact, that the more you get to know somebody, you... Your um, the relationship that you're developing becomes less about your professional industry relationship and more about your personal relationship. So I find the quicker you can progress right to getting to know that person behind the desk, not only what drives them when they're not at work and what motivates them in terms of their hobbies, but also learning about their kids. That type of thing, the closer you can get to that personal relationship, then you become more of a friend and ally, and those people will want to do business with you because you've established a good firm friendship, and that's what I think is the aim here. Nice. So it's really focusing more on the, the, the personal relationship rather than selling your business and what you can do, right? Most definitely, because to be honest, we're all in the same category. 
And we are all very different, but we offer very much the same services. So you have to truly differentiate yourself from that of the competition. And, um, and, and that can be from service, but it can very well be the person that you are versus the person that represents the other companies that are competitors. They want to work with people they like. You know, I've always found that to be true. So let's talk about that, you know, say you've gotten that going and your friends and stuff like that. How do you, uh, or you've built that friendship relationship, how do you keep that going? Is there a suggested frequency that you visit or do you really customize it based on that individual or office? That's a good question. You know, you have a very large territory, well over a million population. So as such, and it's a very urban section of northern New Jersey, there are probably a little over 320 agencies that happen to be in this area that I service. And so you can't physically be at every one of those agencies every single month, not while also rotating in other types of calls you're going to make to real estate agents and to property managers and plumbers and the like. So you really need to go ahead and focus the time well. I think you need to make a great first impression, but then keep those impressions that you continue to make such that you can be there maybe every two months, and in my case, every three months, and still remain top of mind and be the person they think about instinctively as a knee-jerk reaction when they do have those losses come in. Good. And, and you mentioned the volume. We, we deal with it in every market. I mean, there are so many agents. Do you ever get to a point where you it's obvious you make clear progress with some people and you just click with some people, but they're just some offices. You're always going to get stonewalled and you get discouraged or whatever. Do you ever kind of bless and release and say, hey, listen, there's 300 offices in my area, whatever that number is. I'm just going to focus on the 100 that, that are good and that we have a working relationship. Is there ever a point where you just, you know, maybe you could say give up on an agent? Yeah, you got to cut ties at some point, right? But um, I hear you. I oftentimes don't just abandon them. I, I give it a lot of opportunity to determine whether or not it's going to happen. Sometimes I've gone two years into a stonewall location like you're referencing, and it's on the second year that I've really made some headway. People shift in this industry a lot. So what the person that I didn't necessarily have a great relationship with in the office, in the front desk, may ultimately leave and then... I may have a great relationship established with a new person who's handling claims, for example. So I find that I don't cut bait right away, but eventually, if you realize you're just not going to see any fruition, uh, see anything through fruition, I think you do have to do that and start focusing your effort on where the money is going to probably come from in terms of the claims. Sure. So not all agents are created equally uh, when, when it boils down. <laughs> Focus on the ones that will work with you. Most definitely. Exactly right. Cool. And you, you mentioned earlier about adding value, and I know that can be kind of a generic term across many different factors of our business, but are there any specific examples that you would use or share with our audience about how you add value to the agent? Let me think that one through for a second. Besides, besides donuts, bringing them donuts and all that fun stuff and tchotchkes. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah. Well, you, one could always go ahead and bring in donuts and, 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 and bring in lens cloths and little stress balls. Sure, I get that. But then it becomes more of just a marketing job, right? That person who, who, who does that and just drops off things like Valentine's candies and stuff, I don't know if you're really forging a good relationship. I don't want the prop to be necessarily the crutch. I love the relationship to be the, the main driver here. So if I did bring in something, for example, during Valentine's Day, I would love to go ahead and 
still sit down, chat with them, and talk to them a little bit about what's the craziest thing anyone has ever done for you on Valentine's Day, bringing them back to when they were, you know, when they were kids. I think everyone's got a childhood, right? And everyone's got certain memories. I'd love to go ahead and find out a little bit more about uh, what their experiences are. I mean, and sometimes I get to, when it's Valentine's Day, I like to ask them how they met the person that they're married to and how that went, because I met my wife on Match.com, and most people don't think that's going to ever work out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> how about any mistakes that you, I would change gears here, mistakes that you've seen other companies make or just kind of any any pitfalls that you would caution people into not wasting their time or just spinning their wheels when they put together or maintaining their agent marketing program? Sure, sure. I don't know if it's a true mistake, but I think they're missing the opportunity. Many, many of the restoration companies in my market here in Metro New Jersey miss the boat entirely, I find, by failing to implement an ongoing continued education or CE class program for their agents. We ourselves put on CE classes every quarter. In fact, even more specifically, we offer four classes every three months. And it works out that we do two classes per day, and we do it in two different locations to appeal to the northern part of our territory and also a series of two classes for the southern part of our territory so most people can have exposure to them. We used to only offer classes and topics purely pertaining to our company's strengths. So we do a mold class, a black water, a fire and smoke class, maybe an advanced structural drying class. But the feedback I started getting after years of doing this is, Chris, how many mold and water damage classes do I really need? You're killing me with the same classes every two years. You know, so this year we implemented a little variety. In fact, a lot of variety. We now have uh, CE courses and an instructor that's capable of teaching 26 total topics. These are classes that insurance agents are clamoring for, and they actually need and want to take. So I think it's making a huge difference. In fact, um, our class sizes surpass the numbers we've ever done in the past by at least 20% because we're offering classes of variety that no one else is offering because still if people are out there offering CE, they're still going to go ahead and focus on the same stuff, water and mold and, and, and black water. And so the fact is being a differentiator is the way to go ahead and apply and to appeal to more agents. And I'm seeing more types of agents come into these classes. So I think that's a vitally important component to it. As long as you have the agents present and established rapport during breaks and during lunches, it's clear yeah. that you are the sponsor, even if the topic is different from what you specialize in. So that's been a real eye-opener for us recently, and I think that's something that people out there as the audience should probably be paying close attention to because I get people asking me, how do I put on CE classes or how often should I do it? You should do it as often as you'd like, and I only do so many classes because it works. And by that, I mean it generates referral after referral, and if it stopped working, I'd stop doing it. That's a good point, and that really kind of goes back to answer my question about added value. I mean, that's a that's a big thing besides just the office visits or an email newsletter. I mean, that is that's a, the CE credits are a part of their job. They need that, and now you've established yourself in your market as a source for these CE credits. So if they look at they're planning, oh, I need 12 credits this year. I know I can get all 12 from Chris. I don't have to shop online, do webinars, and all this other stuff. Uh, sure. That yeah, you've you've established yourself as as the source for that, and then they if you put on a good show, so to speak. I know that's probably a weird way of describing it, but if, if, it's, a, if it's a good event and, and they get value out of it, they're going to invite their agent buddies because they know the agent down the street, even though they're competitors, they're still friendly and more and more people will, will come to your table. And that's why you've, it's, you said it's been growing by 20% recently? 
Yeah. Uh, so we used to get, originally we got like 25 people that would attend a single class. Then it became 32, and then it became 40, and we outgrew the size of the hotel spaces. So we had to find new spaces. Uh, the last the last couple of classes are pushing 50 per class, which doesn't sound like a lot to somebody who does C classes infrequently. But remember that I do this so often. So when you're putting 50 people in a class, you're doing four classes in a quarter or 16 a year. It's a lot of people. And now if we, offer, if we offer more variety, then that allows for that same person to come more often than they would if they're just going to get one flood class every year. You won't see them with the same, uh, with the same sense of uh, variety, uh, uh, frequency, and they're going to invite their buddies because they also need this class, or they might be more interested in what we're offering. And our lunch is really good. Let's not kid ourselves. you got to have a good lunch. It's all about the food. They'll come back for the food. <laughs> they do. They do. In fact, one thing I would also say as it relates to food is I've learned this a long time ago, and I and I swear you need to go ahead and try it. When an insurance agent refers you a job, always, always, without question, bring them a, a lunch for the entire office. After every referral, I make sure that I contact them and find out what the office wants, what type of food we're interested in. Are we doing sushi? Are we doing uh, trays of Italian food? And do it right. Don't go ahead and break pizzas when you can do trays of chicken parm and sausage and peppers, salad, bread and butter, and the works. Make it an event because the one person gave you the referral in the office, not example, but everyone benefited from the referral, and now everyone else is kind of thinking, hey, I'd like a free lunch more often. I'm going to think of Chris and his restoration company because I want the free lunch, and I really enjoy the time spent. And, it, and I'll tell you this, Joshua, you, you know it's hard to go ahead and get more than 10 minutes FaceTime with some of these guys, but if you have a lunch, you've got 30 minutes for sure, and oftentimes mm-hmm. upward of an hour to spend with the full office. And it's a different, more relaxed relationship. It's not about business. It's about, you know, whatever the topic of the day is. And I think that's where you want to be. Yeah, people are turned off by constant selling, but if if you're in a, if you create a more casual environment with something they appreciate like lunch, obviously, then they're they're gonna let their guard down and that's where you have that opportunity to really nail down the relationship stuff that you were talking about at the at the beginning of the conversation. So good points there. Definitely good takeaways and I think Definitely our listeners have some some homework to do if they aren't implementing some of the suggestions you've made. So thank you for that, Chris. And we we are starting to wind down just a little bit, and I would like to ask a couple more questions. Uh, One is just regarding the individual salesperson. I I know you do the physical sales yourself. You know, I don't know if you have anyone working for you or you've had to hire anyone, but maybe speak to the owners here as far as what they should be looking for for in a salesperson when they're, when they're hiring someone? So, yeah, I have only been the uh, business development agent in this firm, and I'm the only one. But since I train other restoration companies, I'm oftentimes asked, what characteristics should I be looking for in a salesperson that I hire for this role? And that's a tough question. It's slippery slope because I think there's a number of different types of people that could work out very well, just like there's a lot of different types that won't work out very well. But a few characteristics I would consider is this. The person you are hiring should interview really well and be likable, first and foremost. They inevitably will be the face of the company, and people should want to see them stop in on a frequent basis to say hello. It should be the one candidate when you're looking at a group of people that you walk away from that interview wanting to know a bit more and wouldn't even dread having to be in the car for a two-hour road trip because conversation kind of comes easily to them and you. 
Uh, I also feel that another trait is they should be coachable. They shouldn't have their, their mind all made up. It's always kind of nice when people have somebody that has some restoration experience, but if it's poorly coached restoration experience, then it's probably a downside. So somebody who's very open-minded, who don't already have their mind made up about it, I think would be a better candidate. And then I guess the other thing is, it wouldn't be bad to have a sense of humor and a positive disposition, because in this job, it can be a challenge, and it's fraught with certain disappointments and lost job opportunities. So I think if you've got a good sense of humor and also you're positive about things, you should be able to uh, roll with it, because a lot of times, there's very little control that we have about uh, whether we get jobs because it's dependent upon lousy weather or something else that we can't control. So that's important as well. Those are super points and, and well taken. Thank you for, for outlining that, Chris. And as we wrap up here, I, I know we, we bounced around, but this has been a good conversation on restoration companies marketing to agents. Is there anything that we may have left out that you'd like to kind of close with or summarize what we've talked about here? Um, well, one thing that I think is important is if you are trying to go ahead and and market to agents. The very first thing you do if you have not done it before is you want to cast the largest net possible to uncover as many insurance agencies that will be in your target market. So um, Google searches aren't comprehensive enough and not all agents are listed in traditional directories. So my best suggestion would be to do it this way. Tackle it using a company like Sales Genie or maybe one of your competitors that offer database services. You want to contact, say, Sales Genie in this example with a radius search, maybe 25 miles from your office or 50 if you're ambitious, and uh, ask them to provide you with a really comprehensive list of agents or agencies that specialize in selling insurance. Then, before you go out and see them, you want to call them first and save yourself a ton of windshield time. I learned this the hard way. Immediately, what you'll discover when you make those first calls is some of them just sell dental or group health or life insurance none of which are going to help you in this industry. The absolute right. fastest way that I've ever been able to determine whether they are a true prospect is to ask them one simple question. Call them up and say, hi, do you offer homeowner's insurance? And if they say yes, plan to go visit them. However, if they say no, I would cross them off your list forever and never contact them again because they'll never be a prospect for you in this industry. No, that's perfect. Thank you, Chris. As we close out, I know the listeners have a lot of uh, probably ideas and follow-up things that they'd like to touch base with you on. Uh, what's a good way for the listeners to contact you or learn more about you? I think probably the best way would be to um, log into my website. I put up a website about a year ago. It's called CarboneBootCamp.com, and I do a boot camp specifically geared to a re towards restoration and cleaning companies and help them on the business development side. You can contact me through telephone by way of the website as well as through email, but I would look forward to hearing any any um, um, feedback that you have about it or just discuss something further that you liked about this, this podcast. And I thank you so much, Joshua, for the time spent today. Yeah, absolutely. So that, I just want to get that right because we're going to put it on the Restoration Nation website. So it's carbonebootcamp.com. Exactly right. Sweet. So listeners, definitely reach out to Chris and we'll close with this. We always end with a positive quote and a favorite business book just, you know, to get a little more bit more personal with you, Chris. So why don't you share that with the audience and then we can uh, wrap things up. Uh, I have a couple quotes that I really like from, uh, from people, but uh, one in particular is you can't build a reputation on what you are going to do. Henry Ford said that. Very good. Do you have a favorite motivational book that you'd like to share or a business book? 
Sure. I happen to love all of Malcolm Gladwell's books. I'm listening to one currently in the car. But I think because uh, people don't know this one as well, one of my favorite books of all time is Tim Ferriss, the author of The 4-Hour Workweek. And I think people quickly go ahead and dismiss it because it sounds like you're trying not to work at all. But the fact is the book is genius, and I'm a huge fan of the uh, the premises that he teaches there. But mostly the to uh, cut out the umpteen wasted hours of your day that account for zero progress, and then seek creative ways to outsource those time-sucking, necessary daily activities so you can enjoy more of your life and focus on the things that matter. Oh, and a little added nugget here for the listeners. Do you know Tim Ferriss has a podcast? I am aware. I love it. Yeah, so, so if you guys check out that book, listeners, you can also hear his podcast, which I've heard is is very good. And that book, uh, I'm glad you brought it up. It has been it hasn't been brought up on the show yet, but it has been on my to do list as far as books to read. So you've just motivated me even more, Chris. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. I think it's going to be well well worth the time spent reading it. Perfect. So great stuff today from Chris Carbone of Rainbow International. And do not forget to check out his website. CarboneBootCamp.com. If you're in the car listening to this and can't write it down, just go to TheRestorationNation.com, see the show notes for our episode with Chris, and we'll have a link right there. You can click on it, go check out his stuff, reach out to him, learn more. And if nothing else, just say, hey, thanks, Chris. Learned a lot, and uh, good luck with future endeavors. So, uh, Chris, you've been great. Thank you for your time on the show today. Awesome. Have an enjoyable rest of your day. All right. You too. Thank you, guys, and thank you, listeners, and we look forward to the next show. Education. Collaboration. Motivation. You've just listened to the Restoration Nation podcast. Make sure to visit www.therestorationnation.com for show notes, resources, and other valuable content. Visit the Contact Us page to provide feedback, request an interview, or inquire about sponsorship. Thank you for spending time with the Restoration Nation. Restoration Nation.